Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From, From page to screen. to screen. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am. I'm all right. I think I'm cold, which is oh, it's got cold recently here a bit too. Weird. So, what is going on with um, with Land of Northern? There's police everywhere, apparently. Ah, um, yeah. Police shut down um, the the North Shore Promenade today, mm-hmm. um, and it looks like it's because they discovered a body. Ah, I did see the body thing. So I figured that it was connected with that. So yeah. So so uh, yeah. I was going to do a target joke, but that's Scotland. It don't work in Wales, does it? That's <laughs> Doesn't really work in. And I'm not going to attempt a, a Welsh accent because I plan on visiting there at some point, and I do not want to get stones thrown at me, which yeah, uh, <laughs> which would be good. So how are things other than uh, you're living in an area where there's a body? Um. Things are usual, you know, um, inside my bubble, inside my house, um, mm-hmm. things are very good. Well, that is good. That is yeah. all right. And we're approaching the very, very end of November. We are. Which is, and it uh, just feels like the beginning of the year because time has flown since uh, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Let's just bring in, we have a nice little surprise guest. I know how much you love when I do that, Rob. <laughs> we we have we have a, a gentleman. Rob Rob does not know that we have a guest. We have a gentleman who's who Tom Cruise once gave him parking instructions and assistance, which is pretty good. Uh, Al Pacino asked him questions, which is great. And and this gentleman also asked Larry Fishburne why he didn't come to visit. It's been it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back Sean O'Banion. How are you, Sean? All right, hello guys. We're not, Sean. We're not we're not sharing video, I guess. No, because right? we've we've all got lockdown hairdos, and we all. Oh, look at this! You know, look at this! That's oh, that, that's yeah, but you you rock it well, though, Sean. You're doing really really well. That's yeah, nothing. I'm like an '80s rocker nowadays. He does. It's like <laughs> Rob is thinking of auditioning for ZZ Top, so, and that is that is there actually a, a true story. It just it saves bandwidth, I think, sometimes with uh, yeah, our right, end, maybe not yours. I'll save you the the visual then. Oh, it was a very nice visual, and I promise you, it's burned into my memory in a good way for a long, long time. So it's uh, it is good to see you and hear you. It's been way perfect, too long. Perfect. Thank you for having me back. Anytime. The the door. You have a key to this podcast in front door, so you're welcome anytime. Uh, so <laughs> how, how's 2020 treated you? It's kind of a strange uh, 20- year. Yeah, 2020 has been uh, one of the longest decades of my life so far. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Say, but, yeah. you, but you're keeping well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in a well. You, uh, your country is in a similar place as mine, I suppose, in terms of lockdowns. Although we're coming off of ours now next week, which I think is yeah, going to prove a, a, an epic disaster when same. people rush <laughs> to, to the malls to do uh, Christmas shopping. Yeah, because it says, um, I mean, you know, the lockdowns end, so that means everything's fixed. Everything's okay. Uh, shops are sure. open. Go, go buy some Christmas presents. That was, whew, that was a long year, wasn't it? Glad that's all over. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. was like, as soon as I heard that they're opening shops this and over here this week on Thursday, I was like, what a nightmare! Like everybody is yep. going to go to the malls. Yeah, it's it's just uh, yeah, it's something else. It's something else. We were, uh, for those that don't know, I'm I'm in the Czech Republic. Um, so we went from one of the lowest. Um, in terms of infection rates in the EU, um, because they shut us down in February or early March, I want to say. Yep. Um, and then, of course, they got the backlash from from the citizenry saying, "Like you can't, you know, make us do this." And uh, so they reopened, and and we we vaulted all the way into number two highest infection rate in the EU. Um, 
So, you know, and clearly they haven't learned from that now that they're going to open us up again on Thursday. So I think the majority of people, and I certainly do include the UK in that, seem to be the equivalent of somebody saying, don't stick a fork in that power outlet, you'll electrocute yourself. And then the reply, you can't tell me what to do. All right, and <laughs> fair enough, go ahead. And then when I do get electrocuted, because I stupidly stick you, it's your fault. You didn't stop me hard enough to, uh, to yeah. tell me not to. It's absolute yeah, madness. Exactly. Stu- stupidity has reached uh, new levels globally yeah. in the last few years. It has. But um, there's, there must be some highlights, though, hopefully, which is what we're going to talk about. Uh, I am going to, I'm determined to make December, all the podcasts in December, which this one will be released in December. So, you know, I found a loophole to talk about highlights. There's got to be some. There's, got sure. to, there's been sure. quite a few for me. Uh, I paid a lot of my bills off because I'm working from home, so I didn't have to travel in and out of the office, which was, you know, uh-huh. that's good. Uh, obviously, the reasons for doing it is not so good, but the actual, you know, I, I didn't buy lots of high tech and just waste all the spare money. I, I paid all the things that I owed, which is good. Uh, I've co- done a whole bunch of podcasts. I've got into video podcasting now when I'm doing the interview type ones. So I've, I've, got, I've got over that barrier, which is quite fun. Very nice. Uh, I spent an hour chatting to the wonderful Mick Garris, who I've been a fan of for many, many years. And uh, I was doing some press coverage for the Grimfest Festival in Manchester. And I managed to get a sort of one-on-one Zoom interview with Mick Garris. So that was great. I got to quiz him about The Stand and and all his movies and stuff. So that was a highlight. And uh, just before lockdown, I went on tour with a rock band. And me and the wonderful Neil Johnson, we actually shot three concerts and it was the first time I've ever actually videoed an entire concert. And I got to—I was sleeping on the tour bus. It was my almost famous moment. I was a little right. bit older than uh, Patrick Fugit, but it, you know that is it. I've, I've kind of done it, and it was great, and I loved it, and I want to do it again. But then the world got locked down, so I haven't. So, uh, yeah, cool, that was fun. So, what about you, Rob? You've got to have some highlights. Uh, oh yeah, um, I've uh, discovered. Um, the world of Breaking Bad um, <laughs> through Better Call Saul. Um, I've been growing my uh, items for my geek wall um, in in uh, the sense of signed uh, music memorabilia at the moment. So okay. signed music CDs, uh, LPs and that kind of thing. That's something I've been working on over the past probably four or five months. Which which music um, ones have you got? Because even I didn't know about this, and I speak to you like four times a week. Yeah. Um, various things. The latest um, added to my collection was um, a signed Robbie Williams CD. Okay. And and I didn't know this. You know, it shows how much I know about music. But um, they are now releasing, um, me, you know, many artists are releasing tapes as like limited edition um things so yeah. i've now got um robbie's um winter album in the limited edition red color and also the limited edition green color have you got a tape player though that's the question i haven't i, I have a tape player for like you haven't got one so that's that's no, gonna last a while like then, isn't it? limited edition so they'll go in a box somewhere and like, who knows they might be worth something someday have you still got a tape player sean no <laughs> i can't not. say that i do i anymore. can't 10 years easily since I had a tape. I've still got a CD player, so I'm, you know, I'm still up on that. But Yeah, it's funny. I can't, I can't actually remember the last time I would have had one. It. It's been a very long time. <laughs> so well done there, Rob, for collecting cassettes. That's quite good. I know. It. <laughs> <laughs> Any VHS, you're, going, you're going after some... Made. Get some VHS there. I don't even have a VHS yeah. player. I wish I did, but I don't have one of those either. So. Well, in, in six months' time, I've decided to start collecting Betamax as well. Oh, see, Betamax was better than VHS, but you know it didn't have as good marketing, so it died, which was a shame. But I do miss video stores. I miss walking around one. I miss running one. So yeah, that uh, I was thinking about that actually myself recently. I miss just sort of like scanning the aisles and looking at this, the the art and sort of saying like I don't even know what this is, but I'll, I'll rent it just because the poster looks cool and you know yeah. see what we get. You don't you don't really have that anymore. How long on average, Sean, did you spend in a video store before you picked a title? I think the longest I ever did was two and a half hours, and I went home with Midnight Run, which I knew nothing about whatsoever. Oh. I'm like, oh, I've heard of De Niro. Let's see what this film's like. And it's, to this day, one of my favorite films ever. 
That is a good one. I was actually just talking with somebody about that movie, in fact. But um, I don't know. I probably I probably used up a good hour, hour and 20 minutes in a, in a video store back in the day. Of course, then I worked at one. It was one of my first jobs, first real jobs. What uh, What years were the video store jobs? Mine was, mine was 92 to 2003. Mine was probably 94. Five, I want to say somewhere in there. What movies came? I want to say like when I guess Aladdin would have come out on VHS okay. when I worked there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That gives yep. you a, a range. I don't remember, but I do remember having. I still remember what I had to say when I answered the phone in the video store. Yeah, mine was uh, "Hello, take to video. How can I help you?" <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I worked for for the wonderful corporation that was Blockbuster. Mm. Um, so our version of answering the phone was, good afternoon. Thank you for calling Blockbuster. We can pre-order your copy of Aladdin for 1995. How can I help you? Was it really? <laughs> Did you see like a, an advert on, tagged yeah. on that? Wow. So I, I missed a trick <laughs> on that one. You see, I've yeah. got you both beaten. You know, I, I worked uh, in, in video as well, but I worked on my dad's market stall. So I didn't have to answer the phone. I just had to take people's money as they came and browse the store. Well, and I'm hoping they're all genuine films, Rob. It wasn't one of these dodgy market stores. Be like, oh, yeah, no. 10 films for five pounds. Don't worry about the cover art. It's photocopied. All genuine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and like I've mentioned on previous podcasts, when we used to go to the wholesalers in Manchester, it was like heaven for a kid. Yeah. I'd walk around there and at the, you know, at the end of it, after my dad had picked up all the stock, you know, it was like, oh, dad, can I have this one? Yep, go on then, add it to the order. My highlight was when the uh, the video rep would come round once every couple of weeks, and he would give me a box of time coded videotapes, all the stuff coming out in the next two three months. And just <laughs> that's me sorted. That was that was like the screener discs of the day on lovely old VHS. So, right, but yeah, I do miss video stores. I think Netflix is is great because you've got an unlimited and a source of movies. But you look at it, and you go, nope, nope. I watch two minutes of this, nope. But if you paid money for a film at the video store then you made i'm sure you watched it all because what was the mm-hmm. point so i, I do did miss those hear, days did you, guys, did you guys hear the big flap recently about amazon saying that you know you're, you're when you buy a movie on on amazon a digital download that that essentially you're you're paying for a limited license and they yeah. can take it away anytime yeah, that started with iTunes, didn't it, a few years ago, where they had you would rent movies off iTunes and then the movies would disappear and people would go mad and go. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, it. I'm talking about sell through. Like, really? you, Amazon is saying when you buy a movie for twenty bucks on Amazon and you have it in your Amazon, you know, whatever yeah. watch list, uh, that that in theory, because you haven't read the small print on their on their site, uh, they can just take that movie out of your out of your collection at any point. That's crazy, um, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, and then, but then, in the same time, and when we heard this year, for example, that Samsung is is no longer going to make their blue players. I'm sorry about that. Really? They're going to stop? Oh, yeah. Wow. See, that makes me yeah. really sad. <laughs> that does that t- could could actually be the worst thing I've heard about 2020. <laughs> for mind yeah. everything else that's gone on, that genuinely makes no me sad. Longer, so, like you know, physical media again continues its slow march to death. Uh, you know, and I've got, I'm sure like you guys, I've got probably, you know, 1500 discs or, or a little over that. Um, but I mean, you, you know, we felt that years ago you would walk into, I don't think, do you guys have Best Buy in the UK? No, ours is pretty much Walmart, Asda. Okay. Yeah. 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 Walmart, you have like HMV, but like we used to, you know, Blockbuster, sorry, uh, Best Buy was like a warehouse store. You could get everything in there. You could get guitars and flat screen TVs and all these things. But slowly over the years, you would watch their their physical media section just get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it was like down to like four shelves. Um, and to me, I was just like, God, it's so depressing. I mean, I I I have firmly embraced digital and streaming, um, but I would much rather be able to go to my shelf and and take the jewel case out and put the disc in. And know that I just have it, and it's there. And whenever you know I'm in the mood, it's there. And also, you know, to to sort of echo what we were saying about the the video store experience, you know, I can just go scan my shelf, yeah, and I can find something that that suddenly jumps out to me. Like, oh, I haven't watched that in a long time. Um, 
which is what I've been doing a lot of, even in streaming lately, is sort of um, revisiting comfort food. <laughs> I think we all love them. It's like, let me go back to a happy place. Let me yeah. just put, I've watched like, Jerry Maguire. This afternoon, I watched New Jack City, which I haven't seen for 20-odd years. And I, I did have to rent that on digital because that's not easy to get on, on DVD or Blu-ray for a reasonable price. But So I rented that one, but... Uh, yeah, I've been going back to the nostalgia places. One I know Rob has. We've all been running mm-hmm. back to the years before 2020. Yeah, I mean, there's some movies that you just sort of have to do once a year anyway. But we watched um, what did we watch? We watched Shawshank the other night. Yeah. Um, we've watched. Uh, yeah, I just. I mean, it's Christmas now, so we watched the Santa Claus, the Tim Allen movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just been we just been watching a lot of movies that that are from happier times. <laughs> well, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they were talking about you know a film that I know you've you and I have chatted about, John. It's King of New York, and uh, it's a film I've seen loads of times. I've got the Arrow Blu-ray, and they've just released a 4K edition of it, which I've not upgraded it because you know mine looks fine at the minute. And this podcast mentioned, oh, on the Blu-ray, there's, there's this little documentary all about Abel Ferrara. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that documentary. Let me dig out my Blu-ray. So I went into the special features, and I found about three and a half hours worth of documentaries all on this this single Blu-ray. And one of them was, it was called Abel Ferrara, Not Guilty. And it was literally just this camera crew just following Abel around New York Abel being the crazy person that he is, Jay just like shouted at people and then, you know what I mean? oh, don't matter who I am, and just basically following him. And it was the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. I absolutely love that documentary. And, you know, if that was on digital, I wouldn't see it because it wouldn't be there. So it's mm-hmm. the special features, I think, will be the biggest loss, I think, for me. Well, I think, you know, Apple still does them to a certain extent, but a lot of them tend to be, I actually saw somebody on, on uh, Twitter the other day talking to, you know, ch- his name, Charles DeLauzerica. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who, who's done a lot of the best sort of documentaries of, of classic films and stuff. But, um, you know, somebody was saying to him, I feel like we're going to lose that type of of uh, supplemental material because now the the studios will pay for it, but it's it's essentially just like you know further advertising for the movie, and they're sort of short things and they never they never go much in depth. So yeah, I mean I do to an extent I mourn that. I also mourn directors' commentaries because Apple doesn't really do that, and I think unless the directors have an interest of doing something like Ryan Johnson has done or somebody like that, where they just kind of do it themselves and put it on their website. Um, and you can download it. I, I think we're kind of losing those in this in this transfer. And commentaries are they're one of my favorite special features as well. I have hundreds of them taken off the DVDs that I've got because I don't. I generally don't sit and watch a film whilst listening to the commentary, but I will put it on an MP3 and then just listen to it when I'm like sitting doing something else or whatever. But you know, we're hearing a lot of people that aren't around anymore talking about these films that we've seen so many times. It's fascinating. So it will be very sad if commentaries disappear as well. Yeah, yeah. So, Rob, you're pretty much mostly digital now, though, aren't you? Or not? Uh, I am, unless it's um, obviously Star Trek-based or <laughs> or something that really kind of picks my fan- uh, fan- fancy. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's difficult. And actually, um, you know, whilst sitting here just on this podcast, it you know occurred to me that how your life watching digital works now is the digital networks pretty much dictate to you what you're going to watch next because they say you know you might be interested in this yeah you know these 20 films and um that's about it so unless you can actually you know think you know oh i'd like to watch uh back to the future and actually go out and search that that movie down you know you're just dominated by what's presented to you uh, within the app and and that's it whereas if you've got this physical media on your shelf and you can go and 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 browse what's there then uh, that's when you can come up with some uh, something that you may not have thought about in in five years but but it's there and uh, you know it can be recommended by jumping off the shelf whereas uh, netflix or amazon or whatever it may be aren't going to recommend it to you no, I've kind of yeah, and I mean, I, I would even say that, like you know, for me, 
probably nine times out of ten when I am on a you know streaming service and I want to find a specific movie and I search that title, nine times out of ten, it's not available. No. They don't have it. Or I have to go, okay, well, it's not Netflix, so now let me look on Hulu. Okay, it's not on Hulu. Okay, now let me look on blah, blah, blah. And inevitably, you come up empty, and you're like, damn it, and I don't have it in my, you know, I don't have it on my shelf. Like, I want to watch that movie. And then you've got that age-old problem when your internet goes down, and it's like, I can't watch anything. <laughs> Whereas, you know, where we just go to the shelf and take off the Blu-ray or the DVD or whatever and put some film in. So it's, uh, I'm definitely getting back into the collecting of films, yeah. you know, be it cri- Criterion and, and certainly the Arrow ones. Now would be the time, I think, before they before they uh, all go away. Well, I've just ordered, and I've seen this film hundreds of times, I've just ordered uh, the Blu-ray of Robocop, you know, the original Ooh. one, not the remake. So I've ordered that, I've ordered uh, a replacement copy of Donnie Darko, for myself, uh, over the past couple of weeks, I've bought The Exorcist Three. I have bought Battle Royale, Psycho Two, Miracle Mile, and Old Boy, all on collectors' Blu-rays, and I will just jump right into all these special features. I'm a sucker for them lately. It keeps me distracted from what's going on in the outside world and the crazy people that are trying to run countries. If if you had said that you had purchased the remake of Robocop, <laughs> I might have had to hang up. You were going to hang up. <laughs> yeah, I watched that once, and I'm I'm alright. I'm good. I've seen it now, but uh, it's not even a patch on the original one, is it? No, not no. at all. So, what other films have you jumped back into over the past few months, Sean? What what leaps out? Uh, I mean, it started, yeah, I mean, obviously we've been in lockdown for almost a year now, which is weird to think about. So I think I, 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 I came across on streaming, uh, Twister and I was like, you know what? I have not seen Twister since like opening night in the theater, whenever that was. So I put that on, uh, still a lot of fun, still a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just been a lot of. A lot of kind of older movies. Um, I watched obviously when the when the third Bill and Ted's came out. I bought the bundle. You could get like for twenty bucks. You get all three. So I bought all three, and then I revisited the the first two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been just a lot about you know again comfort food movies that sort of take me to my happy place. Um, which Miracle? Have you guys seen Miracle? I have not. No. Nope. No, it's, uh, I'm not a sports guy in real life, but uh, in cinema, I do love sports movies. Same, yeah. Uh, and Miracle is about the the miracle on ice, the the U.S. Uh, hockey team winning at the Olympics in I think it was '84, something like that, uh, and beating the Russians. Um, and it's a Gavin O'Connor movie who did Warrior, which is another one we watched recently. Um, he's a hell of a director, and. Uh, yeah, Miracle is just one that it can literally lift my spirits anytime I watch it. I'm just um, I'm the same with sport movies. I I love sport movies, but half of them I watch I don't even understand what the sport is. So, <laughs> like American football, I'm like, I don't know. I guess we've got to get it to the other end, but it doesn't matter because I'm still yeah. swept well, along with the, the film. Yeah, that's the thing. And I I'm not. I mean, I really I don't watch any sports at all um, that aren't in movies, but. Um, when I watch them in movies like Miracle or you watch Hoosiers or uh, Remember the Titans, yeah. uh, those are movies that really sort of make me happy. And Miracle, in my opinion, is one of the best. Um, so so you should definitely put that on your watch list wherever wherever it is. I have written it down. I will check it out. It's, uh, Kurt Russell is the lead in it, which also makes it nice. eminently watchable. Russ sat and watched the God. I have a projector, so I know everybody on this podcast has projectors now. So it's great projector <laughs> podcast, and uh, I'm loving it. Best best thing I ever bought. So it was, uh, yep. I'm. Are you projecting onto a wall, or did you get a screen as well? Well, I did buy a screen, but the screen didn't look as clear as the wall because luckily I've got white walls, uh, and the screen just looked like crap. Just I could see the frame around it and stuff. So it's like, well, let's just get rid of the screen, and for now. It'll work on the wall, and then when we get a new house or whatever, we'll make sure it's all done properly. So for now, it's just on the wall, but it looks fantastic. We sat and watched The Godfather a couple of days ago, and uh, you know we'd be digging all these classic movies out to just go. We'll be making it more of an event, so I'm not watching everything on the projector. But we, you know, every few days, it's like right, let's you know pull the lights out and let's watch something 
spectacular on the screen. Uh, you know, Green Mile. We watched the first It. Uh, a whole, just a whole bunch of the old classic movies, rather than hey, let's put Netflix on it. Well, we um, we definitely we watch everything on it, um, which is just now. I mean, I can't go back. You know, you can't go back. <laughs> no. uh, and we don't own a TV at all, so I mean, that's just the way we're doing it anyway. But um, I was going to say one of the highlights, um, and I tweeted a lot about it, is uh, for me the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Oh, how good was that? I finished watching that this week. Loved it. Yeah, loved it's it. Like it's it's what is it? Eight hours. It's yeah. like an eight-hour movie, and it's phenomenal. Um, and it just—I mean, we ate it up. We just ate it up, and especially watching it projected. Um, the the production design, the costume design, the, the sort of visual effects elements that they use to sort of show you the the chess moves and stuff. I, I mean, it just is so good. It's one of my favorite things I've seen all year. It's really hard to pitch to somebody, though. I found. <laughs> I always end up pitching it going, well, I know it's going to sound really boring, but it's really not. It's about chess. And they go, Ugh. I'm like, no, remember what I said? It's not boring at all. And it so isn't. It's an amazing movie. You know, it's a well, like seven hour somebody, movie. Somebody said it's the Rocky of chess movies. Okay. Uh, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, it is because when I when I was a kid and I saw Rocky, I don't know how boxing worked. I, don't, I mean, they're just hitting each other, right? But there's got to be a a winner and a loser so how are they making the points and all those things that i i couldn't tell you the first thing about chess okay um but i but i also think one of the things that i you know have realized watching and and realizing my love for sports movies whether it's miracle or or remember the titans i don't know the rules um but if it's done in a compelling way i don't have to know the rules you know like one of my favorite movies of the last 10 or 15 years is moneyball yeah I don't know anything about baseball. No, me neither. No. We're talking about stats and numbers. I was like, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm lost. But the point of it is that you don't need to understand it because you're, you're identifying with the characters, you know. So in Queen's Gambit, I'm identifying with that girl um, and and the people that she's meeting over these the course of these years. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's done about as well as anything I can think of in the last couple of years. And some of those chess games, I mean, I know how to play chess. I certainly wouldn't be able to, you know, play her. I think she would probably beat me. But the even watch, I mean, filming a chess game is not the most exciting thing to watch. You know, it's not a dramatic sport like, you know, boxing or, or even baseball or anything. But some of the chess games, I was on the edge of my seat watching that footage it's like oh my god what's i'm not quite sure what's going on because i don't know who's winning but i am literally edge of the seat it's well that's the thing right with chess is you're just sort of watching people's responses to a move it's more about the performance and how they react to what the other person has just done um and i think to to an extent like all of these movies share that in common so if you don't follow the sport in general it's about seeing you know how the people are reacting to what's just happened um, and when you have actors at sort of the caliber that, that this girl is, and I've never, I have to be honest, I've never, I didn't love her before. She's done quite a bit of work and I sort of like, I went into Queen's Gambit begrudgingly, even though it was Scott Frank that wrote and directed it. Um, because I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm iffy on this girl and I know she's going to play the new Furiosa, yeah. the, the prequel. Um, but man, she won me over now because she she's yeah, so she good. So good. I think I got won over by just people's reactions to the show, the amount of people that generally wouldn't you know, like a show about chess. They were like, oh, my God, you've got to watch this thing. And then I just joined and gulped down on that Kool-Aid, and then now I run around and tell everybody to watch it because it's amazing. So Yeah, exactly. Now we're all evangelists. <laughs> for yeah, but I was the same, actually, with uh, – I don't know if you guys – do you guys have Apple TV? Yes. I haven't got it, but no, no we've got it in the UK. But I've never – I don't know how many streaming services I can cope with at the minute. <laughs> yeah so so there's a show on there with jason sudeikis called ted lasso okay yep um and it actually takes place in the uk it's about an american uh soccer you know what we call american soccer coach who gets brought over to run you know basically like you know whatever man united or whatever uh and and you know the, there's a reason that he's been brought over uh, which I won't give away, but uh, it's a comedy, and it's by Bill Lawrence, and I've never been the biggest Sudeikis fan, 
Um, but so many people online were talking about Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. And I was like, all right, you're, I'm going to have to watch this, aren't I? And I swear to God, we turned it on and we got sucked in. It's so, <laughs> it's such a kind of a soothing, happy, sweet, but not in like a, not, not in a sappy way. It's just a really lovely, nice show. His character is so likable and so wonderful uh, that it ended up being like, you know, I wish there were a second season right now because it's it was just so nice to have something sweet and pleasant. Yeah. We're all surrounding ourselves with nice, sweet, pleasant, nostalgic things, aren't we, this year? As as well we should. So that's one thing that uh, that makes me sad about Queen's Gambit is... You know, I think it is a one and done, but I kind of want more. But then I don't want more because I don't want Netflix yeah, to totally, invest totally. me in it even more and then scrap it before it's uh, before it should be. So I'm a little bit paranoid yeah, about Netflix shows at the minute. It should be a one-off. Well, yeah, Netflix canceling everything after season three makes it a little difficult to dive in. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's actually going to probably start affecting them. I mean, I think people are starting to have a sense of like, I'm not going to get involved in something that I'm, that I believe is not going to continue. You know, I'm not going to spend the time on it. Um, like whether it's Santa Clarita diet or whatever. Um, I really feel like people are starting to get hip to that. So they're going to either have to commit to longer seasons of shows, or I think their viewership numbers will just drop on things. And I say, I think the viewer, they will have to do something because the, the other streamers are all, coming up now you know at one point netflix pretty much had it all sewn up but then it was netflix and amazon and then netflix amazon disney plus and now there's just i think everybody's got we i think us three are the only ones that don't have a streaming platform at the minute it's getting kind of crazy <laughs> right. i'm thinking about it <laughs> but well, i remember i remember because i joined netflix super early i mean i had obviously the mail-in discs but then i joined the streamer very early on and their selection was so terrible that i canceled it um, and to see the sort of meteoric rise that they had in terms of licensing and getting like real good movies on there, and then the studios going, "Hey, wait a minute! Why are we letting them have all this?" Yeah. <laughs> and seeing that sudden realization that they should get into that business, um, and then in particular hearing the recent you know announcement from the Disney stockholders call where they said you know all of their attention now is going to be on the streaming platform for the foreseeable future and a, a large part of that probably born out of covid but but actually you know nobody knows what the future of theatrical is so i think uh you know all these streamers are are definitely the the way things are going how many streaming platforms have you got at the minute that you subscribe to uh you got lots or not not that many. Yeah, so I have Apple, Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, HBO Max. Yeah. You can't even get HBO Max in the UK. So it's like, how are we going to watch Justice League when it eventually comes out? <laughs> well, we don't have it here either. So uh, to anybody at Warner Brothers or, or HBO Max that's listening, pretend I didn't say that. But, you know, yeah, yeah we, we managed to get it. Yes. I think I've got uh, BritBox, Amazon, Netflix, Shudder, and Disney Plus. So, yeah, five at a minute. So. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, I have Disney Plus as well. So that's six. Add that to your list. What about you, Rob? How many you do? Uh, Amazon, Netflix, Disney Plus, Now TV, um, and uh, a, uh, a free subscription to uh, the free version of Peacock TV, which is available only in the US at the moment. Oh, okay. But I'll talk about that a bit later. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Peacock is interesting. That's a Paramount one, isn't it? Is it? I think it's. I think, uh, I think it is. Uh, Peacock is NBC. Is NBC. Okay. Yeah. Do you have? Um, you mentioned Star Trek earlier. Does that mean you have the CBS one? Because that's where all their Star Trek series are, right? No, I, I don't. Um, I might look into it now after watching a bit of Peacock earlier, um, but. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, I did sit down with my daughter um, probably a month or so ago, um, hoping uh, to find um, Star Trek Lower Decks yeah. and uh, introduce her to some uh, animated Star Trek. And we were very disappointed that we couldn't track anything down within the UK. Nope, it's not happening, <laughs> is it? But luckily, the Netflix take the Star Trek Discovery on here, so it's a bit like they did with Better Call Saul, where an episode will air and then it'll get dropped onto Netflix in the UK. So. 
But uh, okay. lower decks, nothing. Not a peep. <laughs> so. And are you guys, do you come in from the original uh, flight crew of Star Trek? Or were you more of a Generations? Generations for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with me, um, it was the original series. I used to sit down with my stepdad and watch that like on a Sunday, um, an episode here and an episode there when I was a kid. And then um, I really got into it then when it was the next generation and, um, you know, would hoard my dinner money f- instead of <laughs> buying food at school, would save it up. And then whilst I was walking home through uh, the local uh, city centre, um, every couple of weeks when I got enough money would... Uh, sneak off to to buy uh some star trek vhs <laughs> i don't know where where my mum thought that the hordes of star trek videos in my bedroom came from but <laughs> we were fleeced buying those weren't we two episodes for about 12 oh, or yeah. 13 pounds but i bought them as well and the amount of shelf space <laughs> those things took up it was crazy Oh, I'd love to track down a, a picture of my old bedroom. I, I literally had, I think it was three shelves the, uh, the, that ran um, the, the entire depth of my, my wall uh, across um, with Star Trek videos. <laughs> I used to- and, and that was before I moved out and bought even more when I actually had a, a job and could do that. Well, I used to work in the video store when the DS9 ones came out, and I, I spent ages persuading my boss. I'm like, no, these things will rent. You got to get them. So he would get them, and I would watch them, and there'd be like one other person that would just rent these things. So I managed to do that for maybe three, four seasons before he went. Yeah, they're not making much money. Either. I'm like, well, I don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, I persuaded him to buy them. <laughs> oh. it's crazy. So, but uh, but yeah. So streaming platforms. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I got derailed. Then it's like I got so into because I sent. I think I sent you pictures of the video store, didn't I, Rob? You did. Very fascinating. I, I wish um, I'd, I, I was able to walk around still. Um, yeah. I said that before you sent the, vi- uh, the the pictures and after you sent the pictures, even more so. That's the kind of shop that, you know, I, I would literally go on a Saturday um, or a Sunday and spend um, a good hour and a half, two hours just walking around slowly and just doing circuits at the store. Yeah. Fun. You know, I wonder, you know, the way that vinyl has come back, I wonder if somebody won't at some point try and open up a little little DVD shop somewhere and see what, what happens. Um, mm. You know, it's certainly it's certainly a possibility that, that enough people in a neighborhood, you know, that would, would miss that experience. Yeah. Um, and if you tried to if you tried to do it in such a way that you found titles that like i mentioned earlier are not available on streamers yeah. and sort of have those stocked um harder to find titles or something you know you buy them off ebay or whatever i wonder i wonder if it would be you know it'd probably be the kind of thing that get written up in newspapers and stuff like here here we go again with the resurrecting of the old media because there is a uh, lot there's a lot of films that used to be on vhs that never came each time a new format comes out loads and loads of films just disappear and you know yeah they become lost or forgotten by the masses, but you know, not the big fans like me. I, I once tried to find a Michael Ironside film called Deadly Surveillance, which I, that's never, never been seen since the early nineties. But I remember watching it on VHS, so it makes me sad that that's never come out. My uh, my good old uh, VHS copy of um, Neighbours, the Scott and Charlene years. <laughs> that, that, that was never, ever re-released. That's, that's no big loss, though, is it, really? With that one. <laughs> the, the one thing, well, the two things that made me really sad about that, I about VHS, I had a, a Godfather trilogy box set, and it was the version that Coppola had re-edited into chronological order and put in all the, this extra footage, and it was so much longer than the, the three films themselves, and that just... You know, gone. I don't. I think somebody stole it from my house, to be honest. But it was a lovely little set, and I also had the original Star Wars trilogy Executor set, which was a huge tin box that had all these prints. And again, somebody stole that as well. So you know, people get nicking my VHS, but uh, they they were some of my prize collection items. I got. I wonder, guys, if uh, if when when Lucas sold his company to Disney, if he made them agree to never put out the original release cuts on home video. Um, mm. 
because you'd think that they could just make a mint if they finally said, hey, you don't like McClunky and whatever? <laughs> like, yep. here here you go. Here's what you've wanted for for decades now. We're going to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that you know, that's just another example of a movie that none of us can get unless we still have VHS copies. And I did. And they've gone. So I, I do have a DVD set, which are apparently, it, it contains the special edition ones and the original theatrical ones, but they're not remastered or anything. So you know, I need to rewatch them at some point and see what they're like. But yeah, I'm not a fan of McClunky. Uh, I, I uh, want someone uh, to unearth the, uh, the adult cut of Galaxy Quest that I hear is... <laughs> really? Uh, is that not just a myth? No, apparently there, there was, um, it's been confirmed by, I don't know if it was Sigourney Weaver, um, in an interview that, that um, originally it was going to go down that route and then um, change, but apparently an, an ad, more adult version um, cut was produced, yep. but it's probably like a, sitting like in somebody's a, vault somewhere. Like with people dropping F-bombs and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That would be great. I'd watch that. Yeah. So I was watching this, the Able Ferrara documentary, and somebody was interviewing him, and he was telling a story about how when Christopher Walken was doing his his role, he would warm up after a couple of takes, and the first couple of takes seemed to be him doing an Al Pacino impression, and Abel Ferrara apparently <laughs> claims to have a cut of the film that's just all of those. It's like, I really want to see that, but uh, just out of curiosity. When I uh, when I worked with Chris, because I did two movies or three movies with him, uh, he he we would drive in in the morning, and he would do his sort of scenes in the morning uh, into a tape recorder. Okay, uh, and he would read him. He would read each scene through the, for that day a couple times, and every time he would do it, it was you know some slight variations or sometimes big variations. Uh, and he would be recording in a little, you know, kind of stenographer's uh, tape recorder. And he would then play it back to himself. Um, and then if you went into the set, you could kind of see him. He would he would have picked the versions that he liked the best. Yeah. He would start to do takes in, in all those varieties, uh, you know, until the director said, we're moving on or whatever. But it was pretty fascinating to see how... You know, he, he would play them back, listen to himself, do it, listen to the cadence of it, listen to the, the you know, either the sort of heightened level of it or a more subdued thing. And then he would literally, like, do those on the set. It was pretty incredible. I bet he's one of these, I mean, I suppose there's a lot of actors that are incredible to watch, but I bet Christopher Walker, I think there's probably something just crazily unique about watching that guy perform. Yeah, he's pretty... He's pretty incredible. I mean, it was uh, the first movie I did with him was a Barry Levinson movie uh, with Ben Stiller, which didn't do very well. didn't Didn't do well in the market. It was called Envy. Okay. Um, and he played like a, a very strange character in a very strange movie. But um, but the other one was Catch Me If You Can. And what's interesting about that one, obviously, is Spielberg, and he got nominated for it. But you know, Spielberg is kind of you know he he does almost Clint Eastwood levels of of minimal amounts of coverage and stuff um and it can be frustrating for actors um because they want you know more takes so they can do more stuff um and chris was perfectly happy to have you know only two or three takes because like i said he was presenting sort of his what he believed to be his best versions of that scene um and so spielberg would say okay you know we're moving on and Chris would be like, "Great," and Leo would be like, "Wait, can we have? Can we, you know, can we have another one?" And Spielberg would go, "No, no, no, because I'm already going to cut from here, and I'll be around this side on to Chris for that shot." And you're like, "Wow, okay," you know. Um, but I think Chris really liked that—the speed. Yeah, that was one of the mistakes I learned when I was shooting the first two Mimi films. First more, two. well, both of them so far is I didn't do enough takes. So when I put the footage on the computer, I'm like, yep, I think I've got it all. Oh, no, that one shot, I haven't. It doesn't quite work. How can I get around this? So that's one of the, the dilemmas that I've got while, whilst editing. But, I, you know, good way, to, yeah. good way to learn a lesson. 
Oh, damn. Next well, time I'll of, do this. A lot of new filmmakers, well, but, you know, a lot of new filmmakers do the other, which is they just do so many takes and it just sort of looks to the actors like you don't you don't even know what you want. Yeah. You know, so it's like somewhere in the middle is is that sweet spot of like knowing what you're trying to get, and what you need to accomplish, shooting enough until you know you've gotten that thing, doing one more either for safety or to let your actors play, you know, like sort of, OK, we, we can go off book now. You know, you understand where the scene needs to go. Just have fun with it. Um, and And the other alternative is like, you know, when you're when you're shooting something little covering yourself by getting little insert shots of things yes. so you can steal dialogue from other takes and things like that and you cover it by cutting to someone's hands or cutting to them fiddling with a cigarette or whatever they're doing you know and you get if you get a bunch of inserts then you you can definitely save yourself in the edit and plenty have which which that's exactly how i'm getting out of that problem it was the very last shot of number two and I'm like, damn it, the dialogue was great, but just the, way, the position I had the camera in didn't quite work without the position I had the camera in for everything else. So it's like, right, how could I get around that? I know, I'll use the dialogue, shoot an insert of something, and then I'll put that into the third one. So it's like, damn it. But uh, I'm, I am enjoying the whole filmmaking experience. It's uh, it's an education. It's always. I, I would have been really disappointed if everything went perfectly for me. And there was no problems because then I wouldn't really have learned anything. So I'm quite glad that there's been a lot of, oh, damn. Maybe I'm not glad there's been a pandemic, which has delayed pretty much any, you know, me being outside with a camera for months. But uh, everything else has been been interesting. Well, I can tell you from 27 years in film that nothing ever goes no. the way it's planned. Ever. <laughs> damn. <laughs> so how's your, how's your creativity, Sheldon? What, what are you doing to keep yourself sane you know in uh in your part of the world um i have uh i have become a writer mm-hmm. uh which is something that i've not really done before um i mean i had done it but i sort of considered myself not uh disciplined enough uh to 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 see things through and to finish screenplays and things like that um but i have found for for me uh i got a writing partner nice yeah. um and our compliments and our skill sets are, are, are very good uh, mesh. Um, and based on a, a pilot, a series pilot that we wrote, we got representation in London and L.A., uh, lit literature and lit management. Um, and they're sort of helping us um, now to guide us. So um, and then also in, in sort of trying to get those managers, we obviously had to send them sort of samples of our work either work we had also done together or individual work. Um, and when I sent them a couple of things that I had written, uh, they also responded to those and said, well, if you clean these up, you know, we might be able to get these made or sell them. Nice. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been a big focus. And then my, my son is one year and two months old. No. Um, and so he, uh, he, 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 he likes to have an inordinate amount of intention. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And that's sort of, you know, my living room, I'm looking around now, it looks like a kindergarten. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have the little multicolored soft floor thing down. We have the little tunnel thing he can crawl through. and You know. It doesn't get better. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like revenge. That's revenge <laughs> no. for you saying, yeah, your filming's never going to go perfectly. So that's, Rob's got his revenge on you. My God, yeah, you'll never get peace and quiet. Yeah, my daughter's eight, and uh, you know you can go into uh, our living room most days and uh, find a million and one things that she's left in there. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm happy. I, I sort of. I always wanted to be a dad, and I'm. I'm I've become one a little later in life, but I, I'm really. I, I, he's he's pretty wonderful. Um, generally, a good natured kid, so I'm I'm pretty happy. But. Um, it does make it hard to find <laughs> to find time to write and do things like that, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Yep. But uh, but yeah, that's sort of been you know for me a, a, a solace and is is um, saying you know I don't have to ask anybody's permission to to write something. It doesn't mean it ever gets made, but at least I can sort of get stories out of me. Yeah. Um, and that's that's uh, that's pretty satisfying. I've found recently. So that's what I've been doing. I had, I think, one script ready to film, and then we entered lockdown. Now I've got four, 
ready to ready to shoot, and I'm I'm potentially going to start another one at some point. I made the mistake of putting a tweet out, I think yesterday or today, saying, "Hey, at some point, I'm going to rent a castle because you could do that on Airbnb, and I'm going to shoot a movie. I don't know what because I'm not renting anything, but that'd be kind of cool." And I'm now my. DM box is filling up with cinematographers, editors, composers. I'm like, seriously, it was just a single tweet. Oh, thank, thanks for the attention, but you know, I, you know, it's a long way off. So please, please go away. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I, I mean, I've learned over the years. I usually don't talk about stuff until it's finished. <laughs> you know, for for kind of that reason, and I and I, I also think you know, again, going back to like nothing ever works out exactly the way it's supposed yeah. to. You know, a lot of these things you can really get down the road with best intentions and then somehow it still kind of falls apart or some one thing or another happens. And so, yeah, just for me personally, I tend to uh, I tend to not talk too much about things until they're done. Not that this TV pilot that we've, that we've created is done, but at least it's, you know, we've pitched Imagine, we've pitched uh, Churner and a bunch of other big companies who nobody bought it, but they were really generous and nice with their time and um so even that that has been you know i've had people pitch me before as a producer uh but i've never been a writer doing the pitch no. uh which has been an education i mean i think i spent so long agonizing over the mimi trailer like do i do it do i put one out do i do this do that and i, I kind of like the fact that i'm that it's just me and obviously there's people in the film but it's you know i haven't got anybody financing it i haven't got anybody going this is what you need to do i am literally just <laughs> just trying things and they either work or they don't which i'm sure is not the correct way to do it but it's uh it's, it's an, exp- it's an no, experience but it, i mean it, it it really is the correct way i mean you know look the the, the barrier for entry into filmmaking uh, is non-existent now so yeah. you know if you can get a good camera or you can teach yourself a bit about lenses and you can get an actor to stand in front of the camera then you know you should absolutely be shooting if if you intend to be a filmmaker. There's really no excuse not to. No, true. Uh, you know, you can sit around. You can you can write, you know, epic, explosive alien abduction things where people are you know spaceships everywhere that you can't do on your own, or you can write things that you can literally find a location to shoot in and just go do it. Um, and the more you do that, the better you get, I mean, even from my first feature to my second, the, 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 um, I guess expansion of knowledge of how to do things, uh, was exponential. And then again, from my second feature to my third, and no matter what you think, the spine of it is always the same in terms of what needs to be done to make a movie. But within that, everything changes on each one and it's totally different. Um, so each time you go out there, you know, whether even if you have that same actress, uh, Lamissa or whatever, yeah. it's always going to be a new experience, which is pretty fantastic. And you'll learn new things and you carry those little mistakes that you made on the other one forward and you know how not to do that again. And you make new mistakes, but you learn from them. So it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. I think the crazy thing is because the first time I shot with Lamissa was probably about a year and a half ago now, I think, give or take. And she's 13, but she's, you know, People grow. People grow at that age. So it's like you look at the shots of her now and then you look at the shots of her when I shot the first part. It's like, yeah, I need to do a rewrite on this third one because she looks way older than she did. This thing was supposed to be a couple of months <laughs> after. Now let's let's make it a year and a half after. But uh, Yeah, wait till wait till we get Stranger Things uh, 4. <laughs> They'll be, yeah, be driving cars and, you know, working in bars, won't they, I think, by the time we get uh, season four of that. With obviously the added... Robert England, who's joined the cast of Stranger Things Four. Yeah, I heard that. Very cool. So that very cool. So, uh, but no, I, I am. I'm very glad that you're keeping okay. I'm very glad you're keeping busy. And uh, so we've had we've had the Al Pacino story, which I think I keep trying to work out which is my favourite story. And I, I'm I think I'm always going to lean towards the Al Pacino story that you told me because it wasn't just about you; it was about your father as well and Al Pacino. So I think that that will always be my favourite story. But I. I I love it each time you come on a podcast and you bring a new tale. So this is like a this is like a thing for you now, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's like bringing new stories. So we've had Larry Fishburne, which is great, and uh, Tom Cruise and Al Pacino. So have you got another favourite one for me, Sean? Just to make me just geek out and then run downstairs and tell Annette, oh my God, guess what Sean told me now? Um, 
man, I was trying to rack my brain because, I mean, obviously there's years and years of stories. But, um, well, I have two with Jack Black. Okay. Uh, one is that I was driving in the car and his phone rang. And he answered the phone and just sort of like, I could tell it was it, it was something strange happening. Like somebody he didn't know was calling him. And, and I, he's just sort of like looking over at me like, uh, you know, with this sort of perplexed look on his face. And I'm sort of looking at him and it's like, you know, we just keep looking at him and I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? And he holds his phone to his chest for a second and he goes, it's Val Kilmer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Val Kilmer? I was like, do you know him? And he shakes his head like, no, no, I don't know him. And he puts phone back to his ear and he's listening for a second. And he had known that I had worked for Val at some point. Uh, I I worked on the salt and sea and I sort of like, he's like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here with somebody, you know, and I looked at him and I was like waving him off. Like, please don't, (laughs) uh, please don't bring me into this. And he's like, uh, Sean O'Banion. And, uh, and like there's a pause, and then he goes, O'Banion, yeah, yeah. And he puts the phone to his chest again, and he goes, Val says you have one of his guns? <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, I worked for the guy for like three months. I didn't know he owned any guns. So I was like, what? And Jack was like, shook his head like, just forget it. <laughs> Back on the phone. I was like, yeah, dude, well, sure, we'll have to do that sometime. And then he got off the phone and he looked at me and he was like, do you have Val Kilmer's gun? And I was like, no, I didn't know. I, I didn't know he owned a gun. I, I, if I had, I probably would have been scared to be in a room with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was like, oh, maybe it's like, maybe he meant like a prop gun from like Tombstone or something. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea, man. He was like, that was the weirdest phone call I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the one of the weirdest phone calls you've heard whilst driving a car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the other one was just a funny one with him was, uh, we, we rolled out a set early one day, he wrapped early and we were driving down the street in North Hollywood. And he's like, he's like, I'm really hungry, dude. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, he's like, we, uh, I think we need to do a BK run and BK being Burger King. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, do we? He's like, I think we do. Right. I mean, we have to. And I was like, well, if we have to, then we have to. And he's like, let's do it. So we go through the drive-thru at Burger King, and I swear to God, he's sitting in the front seat with me, and we get to the little speaker thing, and he's he leans across me to yell out the window. And he and they go, Yeah, son, Burger King, you know, might take your order. And he goes, uh, he goes, Yeah. Um I need to order, I need to, I need, I'm really hungry. I need a I need a I need a Western bacon chee. <laughs> and they go, we don't have a Western bacon chee. And I go, Jack, I think that's a, that's a Carl's Jr. thing, which I don't think you guys have in the, in the UK. But I'm like, I don't think they do that here. And he's like, well, do you, you just have a cheeseburger, right? And they're like, yes, sir, we have a cheeseburger. And he's like, okay, so I, got, uh, I want a cheeseburger, but I also feel, I need like a surf and turf thing. So can you, do you have a fish sandwich? And they're like, yeah and he's like okay can you take the fish the patty and can you put the fish patty on the cheeseburger (laughs) and they're like i guess we can and he's like okay so do that and then i feel like you know I'm, i'm on a diet i need a vegetable so let me get a large fries and at this point they're laughing right um and then he goes i should probably get some fruit i need some fruit you guys have orange soda (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I have orange soda. He's like, okay, and a large orange soda. And then whatever my friend here wants, I was like, no, I'm good. And then we pull up to the window, and as soon as they see his face, you know, they just lit up. Uh, and they were like, do you really want that's the way that you said? And he's like, yeah, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> so they they made a cheeseburger fish filet sandwich with large fries and an orange soda for jack black did he eat it though i did not watch him eat it but i somehow believe that he wow that is the weirdest 
food concoction I've heard for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a very strange thing. But, he, you know, everything is, is dude, and uh, particularly how he referred to the, the Carl's Jr. sandwich as a Western bacon cheese. Uh, as instead of a Western bacon cheeseburger, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite amusing and has always then stayed in my head. Definitely, now it's going to stay in my head. So bless you for that one. <laughs> that is very, very good. So I know we've only had you for an hour. The hour has flown by, Sean. It's always a pleasure. But uh, we will right. make sure we don't leave it as long before we do it again. Um, but Definitely. I'm glad to hear you're okay. Yeah. Stay safe. You know, you know, avoid the craziness next week when. When, when the virus takes a few weeks off and everybody can go Christmas shopping. Yeah, of course. It's just that we're hitting pause on COVID to, to handle Christmas, yes. and then we'll come yes, back. Yes, but uh, All right, so you take care, and always a pleasure. Thanks again for taking time out to have a chat with us as well. Of course. Right. Thanks for having take me. Take care. Bye. See you, Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. Family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.